0: Big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. Welcome to the 71st episode of the Eastern Promise podcast. Going live on Thursday, the 27th of July, Norfolk Day. The perfect time to hear from someone whose work has shaped both the county and the region. As we prepare to bid farewell to the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership, I'll be talking to outgoing Chief Executive Chris Starkey about his 13 years at the helm of the LEP. I'll be getting his reflections on its achievements, on its spiritual predecessor shaping Norfolk's future and looking at the shape Norfolk has taken since, and getting Chris's recollections on the earliest days of the New Anglia LEP. And finally, today is Norfolk Day, unless you're listening tomorrow, which could now be yesterday. Whatever your temporal positioning, let's share your messages of Norfolk-inspired jubilation in this week's Crowd Sorcery. After 13 years, central government has said it is minded to call time on Local Enterprise Partnerships, or LEPs, transferring their functions back into local authorities from 2024. LEPs were established in the earliest days of the coalition government in 2010, and there can be few bodies over recent years who have had such a transformational effect on Norfolk and Suffolk as the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership. Helming the New Anglia LEP from day one has been Chief Executive Chris Starkey, who had previously helmed the public-private initiative Shaping Norfolk's Future. Along with a succession of exceptional chairs, Andy Wood OBE, Mark Pendlington, Doug Field OBE and CJ Green, and an amazing team drawn from across the region, Chris turned New Anglia into one of the most highly regarded LEPs in England and successfully secured large amounts of investment for Norfolk and Suffolk. I caught up with Chris in his final days at the LEP as he prepared to step into a new, but not unrelated, role as Director of Growth and Investment at Norfolk County Council. You have, I think it's fair to say seen a lot in terms of the growth and development of Norfolk and Suffolk can we just start perhaps getting with the potted history of Chris Starkey mm. and then we'll move on to think what the, I, I, I loosely termed the LEP's greatest hits
1: okay so, <clears throat> so I, uh, I helped establish the local enterprise partnership back in 2011 going backwards from there I was previously chief executive of shaping Norfolk's future which was Norfolk's public-private economic development partnership. Before that, I had uh, more than a decade as a journalist, so I started my career in Derbyshire, South Derbyshire. Right. Uh, Edwina Curry was the local MP <laughs> on a newspaper called the Burton Mail. I then moved to Bristol, the Bristol Evening Post, and uh, was the business editor there for a number of years before joining Start up radio station in Bristol as the news editor, uh, and then transferring up to to Norwich to Anglia Television, Ah. Uh, where I worked for 18 months as a producer in the newsroom, and then moved backwards from TV into back into print as the business editor of the Eastern Daily Press for five years, which takes us through to when I moved over to from the from Eastern Daily Press to to become uh, Chief Exec of Shaping Norfolk's Future. Uh, that was in 2008. Business was my specialism uh, for a number of years, um, and then across to economic development.
0: Mm. So you've come in day one. Um, I mean, I remember I was sort of working in more P politics at the time mm. the LEPs were established, and it, you've come in day one as, as the new Chief Exec. What was your view then of what the LEPs could achieve. I mean, you were slightly sort of, like all sort of public-related public authorities, you're sort of slightly, uh, always gonna be slightly victim to the tinkering of whatever Whitehall um, Westminster decides it wants to do. But what was your view?
1: So my view was, here's, uh, here's an opportunity to, I suppose, build from the bottom, build from a pretty much clean uh, sheet of paper uh, in a minute, I can show you the original business plan, but it was created on somebody's kitchen table, a plan, right, if we have, we don't have any budget, so we're not constrained by budget.
0: That, I, I recognise and you know, associate myself with that kind of so idea. we
1: constrained by budget, as in we didn't have to make choices, but, but if we wanted to grow the economy, what areas would we focus on? So there was kind of a bit of a liberating feeling same time, I guess there was a recognition that well, without any budget, this is going to be quite hard <laughs> so so I do remember um Andy Wood the first chair, his view uh, and you know Andy wood as the first chair huge credit to to, to what the local enterprise partnerships achieved over over, over the periods really down to down to the vision of the chairs and Andy was well let's clear a clear vision for what we What we can do, but get some quick wins in, so gain some credibility. Because back in twenty eleven, nobody knew what a local enterprise partnership was, let alone what it should do, and it certainly didn't have a track record. So, so the approach was always to say, right, we need to prove ourselves, prove we've got, we're we're capable, prove that we can make a difference, and most importantly, add value, adding value. Otherwise, there's no point in existing.
0: Looking back, what would you say are the, 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 the things that the LEP have achieved of which you are most proud?
1: Mm, if, really if,
0: you know, it's a big question, but...
1: It is. Um, it a little bit depends on, I mean, there are a huge number of things. Genuinely, there are a huge number of things that, that, that we've achieved. And so it would depend, perhaps if you ask me today, if, I, if you ask me tomorrow, I might give you a slightly different list. Um, but I think the Enterprise Zones have been uh, enormously mm. successful, proof that relatively modest intervention by government can deliver accelerated growth. That's what it is. It's about how do you uh, how do you encourage inward investment, encourage local investment and accelerate it. So the, 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 the programme is fantastic, uh, particularly our first enterprise zone where we were doing things the team had not done before, um, hitting the original targets we submitted to government. Everyone puts ambitious bids into government.
0: For this. Yes. <laughs>
1: we actually achieved the targets we set. Second one would be our growing business fund. So at a time when government was, it was austerity time, it was, <coughs> it was looking to reduce the size of the state and increase the private sector. How do you accelerate private sector growth? And one of the big problems we have in this country is a lack of private sector investment. So how do you do that at a time, uh, uh, you know, when when things were not going well? So the growing business fund um, has invested in well. So we've invested what 20, 30 million, and business have in, have invested five times that amount in. Yeah. And, and the good news is we can count every penny because we can see it, and it created several thousand jobs as well. So those two things, as we're sat here now, uh, are standouts. But I'm also proud of the skills projects. So College of West Anglia, the new university centre, had been an aspiration there for a decade. Mm. The Energy Skills Centre in Lowestoft, again, they'd been wanting that for a long, long time. And I know roads aren't terribly uh, the, 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 um, <laughs> the thing we're supposed to crow about but again if you look at the Bury uh, St Edmunds relief road that has opened up that industrial estate yeah. which again the, the borough had been working on trying to trying to get funding for with the RDA for again several years that now is one of the most successful industrial sites in the region. Huge development there. It's enabled companies like Treat to stay in Bury, international headquarters and so on, yeah. um, and, and, and has brought about really, really significant growth in Bury St Edmunds.
0: Uh, so let's talk about lower Lowestoft. Yep. For my money, and I say this on the podcast a lot, that this is the most exciting time, the most exciting time to be in the east of England yep. when you have science life science i mean we're on the norwich research Park, the the, you know the global home of plant science and you've got cambridge down the road and cambridge doesn't need any help from me in selling itself Um, and but you've also got the clean energy piece and as we said we've talked to jonathan reynolds at opogee and we raved about the clean energy piece and you know it's it's a situation i think that we have everything this country needs in the east of england Mm -hmm. for the future Lots of other places have got bits of it. I don't deny that, but I think we've got the whole package and Mm -hmm. I think we alone have the whole package and that's a tribute to you uh, and the new Anglia LEP for the work you've done building that. rightly, you have been recognised correctly, rightly as sort of uh, amongst the foremost LEPs in England. So what is your view on how we're gonna grow somewhere like Lowestoft and Yarmouth when we've got all this uh, investment going into the renewable energy, offshore wind infrastructure, more f- facilities means more vessels, more vessels means more crews, more crews means more activity in the supply chain. Yep. Just like Seismol we'll Sea. How can we make the most of that? I mean, obviously, Great Yarmouth's going to be your bailiwick going forward. Yep.
1: So. Is, is the question how we generally can make use of it, or, or what are we asking sp- government could to do?
0: Well, no, I, I, my, my, I, I'm thinking <laughs> about us, really. I'm, I, I try to, I, one of my mantras is, I'm, you know, let's not worry, let's see what the levers are in our hands before we worry about government. And what I was actually yeah. gonna go on and ask you is how your experience is dealing with government, because it's r- and interesting to compare, you know, experiences. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, how can we, as a region, as a county, as the le- now is, as as, as yeah. Norfolk County Council in the future, I can I can foresee a future where lower stuff and Yarmouth are transformed yeah. quite easily if we get it right. I think they're all we. But
1: yeah, so, so look, there are there are a number of building blocks to a place, but a successful place has thriving industry, commerce at the heart of it. Look at Cambridge. Cambridge's success is built on its universities. Yes. But not just its universities; it's it's the businesses and the sectors. They are the beating heart of it. The university helps feed that, and so on. In Lowestoft, the challenge we've had over the past decades is traditional industries have uh, have been in decline, and it's also difficult to attract Lowestoft because of its location to it to to it. Let's uh, you know a high tech. A high tech Cambridge style business isn't going to pick lurstoft because it's geographically on the margins, which is why offshore wind, the energy sector, has to be its heart because Lurstoft is the best place to be for it. So you have yeah. to maximize that. And I think, how do we ensure that businesses in that sector choose Lurstoft? Well, we need the right premises. We need the right skilled labor it needs to be accessible to obviously to the offshore market but also uh, to um, uh, to the rest of the UK as well so how we can grow the cluster you can grow the cluster you then provide the, uh, the business rates the um, people to buy the houses that you want to you want to develop because there's no sense in just building a you know, building a massive housing estate if there's no business and, and industry and people there um, So I think developing, enhancing, and maximising the economy is the critical critical piece, and in a sense, all all flows from that. But but the kind of what I what I say really is we need to learn the lessons from the gas, um, the gas of the the gas of the sixties of offshore gas and so on. The huge wealth that was generated by uh, the exploration for gas in the southern sea did not stick, in, not enough of it, stuck with Great Yarmouth and stuff. It was, um, you know, uh, multinational companies would come in, uh, they'd sort of helicopter people in, so live figuratively and literally. It didn't transform the ta- either town. And I think that's that's, for me, the learning we have to, uh, we have to capture, because just growing the economy on its own does not work. You've got to make sure that it's embedded within the, uh, within the local community. And that's why investment in local skills so local people can benefit from uh, the new job opportunities is so critical, ensuring we've got the right premises so that our own businesses can grow and start up. We're not just reliant in international ones dropping in a, mm. uh, a, a satellite office and then deciding what well, we'll pull out and so on.
0: Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor. Yeah. And now, one of the things that I've been fondest and having a lot of fun doing is getting into Cambridge and engaging with businesses there and growing the podcast there and the message as well. And yeah. I've been actually, once you've sort of found your way in, it's, there's a lot of openness that I've found to looking to east. And I, you know, and, and again, I think that the, the possibilities, um, I, not instead of the Ox Arc, as well as the Ox Arc, that the land of the ox come out, and I'm just going to riff for a second, so bear with me, is going to be quite expensive, mm-hmm. whereas look at what we can offer. Uh, and that's something I'm hoping to return to with Eastern Promise in the future, but... Um, and again, my thesis is, and I'll say this, everyone's going to groan, but it's like a, 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 a jigsaw. Jigsaws don't fit together mm-hmm. every which way. You have to find the right connections to yep. build a beautiful picture. Could be a puppy, who knows? So what's your experience of, of, of building those links <laughs> between Norfolk, Suffolk and Cambridgeshire and where lots of people will want me to ask where the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor sits at present.
1: So I think the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor is a fantastic concept. It is. It's a brilliant concept because you are providing opportunities for all. Let me just explain what I mean by that. So let's start at the Norwich end. The opportunity for Norwich, uh, which we're set here today uh, at Norwich Research Park, a global uh, research centre um, but it's arguably a little bit off the, on the edge of the map how do you plug uh, the science at nor in Norwich at the UEA um, in with um, colleagues in Cambridge how do you get them collaborate collaborating more you've got you actually have different parts of use your analogy a jigsaw different different pieces of jigsaw which you can which you can lock together uh, uh, and so on so, so there's opportunities for Norwich there's opportunities for uh, the, the kind of the, 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 the space in between if you if you call it that so places like Thetford yes uh, places like Attlebrook, Windham, huge uh, there's huge available land but there's also significant skills particularly around manufacturing agri-tech but in the in a sense in the production piece uh, the manufacturing the distribution piece um, and then you take it to Cambridge and you say well why, why does Cambridge need all of this it's got it's got love to the north, it's supposed to be working with Peterborough, it's love to the south, it's supposed to be on this M11 corridor um, and then there's of course the Oxcam, it can't cope with uh, with another one but actually I think there's big opportunities for Cambridge um, to, to, to recognise I think the the skills that it doesn't have which it sometimes struggles to consider that it may not have all the skills that are required um, to the east and as you say there's a uh, the biggest problem in Cambridge is the price of the land second biggest problem is availability of uh, availability of workers well actually both of those you can find to the east so um, so I think there's the, there's some interesting sort of learnings and interesting opportunities for uh, for the corridor as a kind of dynamic ecosystem
0: now when I spoke to Jonathan Reynolds we talked about I mean his role as the uh, chair of the innovation uh, board at, yep. at the New Anglia LEP. What, and this is a, a concern he raised and I promised to, to take it forward. What yep. can you say to businesses who are looking at the voice they have, and I'm sure this has been thought of, mm-hmm. the voice they had in the LEP yep. uh, in, and how that's going to be reflected in the new arrangements? So, the new arrangements? <laughs> that doesn't the new arrangements.
1: Yeah, so the new arrangements. Um, so, so the kind of structures we're moving to, we'll be moving to, will be county-based structures rather than across Norfolk and Suffolk. So those are the building blocks, because that is the direction of travel government wants to move in. Business voice, though, will be absolutely critical at the heart of, of this. So in both counties, Norfolk and in Suffolk, we will be developing fresh-out-the-box business boards. So the business boards will provide that clear um, business voice, vocal business voice, Being they'll be engaged in all parts of, of economic development, in terms of the planning of the strategy, uh, overseeing uh, and scrutinising uh, and participating in the kind of projects and programmes and so on that are, that are developed, um, and dare I say, holding, holding uh, politicians and officers to account. Um, we're working on the models for both of those because we've got. Uh, the summer, the autumn to, to develop those and so will be engaging with the business community in that, uh, particularly to help shape that uh, as, as far as Norfolk's concerned. I know colleagues in Suffolk are doing, will be doing something similar. The other thing to say is sector groups and the innovation board, we absolutely intend for those to continue. Yeah. And probably across Norfolk and Suffolk, because we've spent the past ten years. I said earlier in, the, in our conversation that um, one of the great things about uh, the local enterprise partnership has been collaboration between Norfolk and Suffolk. Uh, you know. We can uh, we can spar on the football pitch next season. It'll be interesting. Um, Cambridge never really has that problem to worry about.
0: Um, and um, well, I'm going to go and vi- hopefully I'm going to go and visit Cambridge United to look at their uh, community work. So I won't mention that. I'll say, Don't, I mention get that.
1: Well. Don't mention that. Don't mention that. um, um, But but as far as as the economy concerns, it's about collaboration. So so whether it's the energy sector, whether it's agri-food, whether it's ICT digital, and definitely innovation, we want to ensure that two-county collaboration, three-county collaboration with Cambridgeshire, four-county collaboration with Essex, where where it works, um, uh, is strengthened and continues, uh, and the business voice at the heart of that.
0: When I did the event on the train, and we had a load of people from Cambridge, a load of people from Norwich mm. having their little networking... When we
1: Apologies were... I missed that. That sounds like a great... Shit, but we, I wanted year. to do it
0: again, and I will do it again. <laughs> this time my plan is to do it with two trains. One from Norwich, one from Ipswich. And if the Wi-Fi holds out, I want to yeah. do a, like a team call yeah. between the two trains. That would be fun and uh, hopefully that yeah. um, I, I know plenty of places. one of my there.
1: regrets of the year is not managing to well i was double booked so
0: that's i mean we missed you but, um, <laughs> but one of the things i did talk about with jonathan denby he was stressing how the hourly service to cambridge was basically an act of will to sort of force that through on uh, along the lines of uh, norwich and 19th that you were yep. mentioning earlier and, and i have to i'd really do like the new the new greater Anglia fleet it's lovely it is uh, it's, it was it was completely different from my trip down to to Foxton with the mayor of Cambridge and Peterborough, really? which was a completely <laughs> different
1: experience. <laughs> but, and 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 and, and side tracking you as I am, the for me the London to Norwich trains are an upgrade. But if you and as I'm sure you have. Traveled uh, Ipswich alert stoft or I have as yeah,
0: went out to see the Orbis,
1: yeah. Okay, so remember what the trains were like on oh, that yeah. service before. So, so they've literally skipped a generation. Mm. So they've gone from, you know, back of the class, to front of the class. And I think for me, that's that is the transformational piece of that of the new fleet. And actually, if you if you if you now hop on the uh, the Norwich to Nottingham service, you kind of realise. Where, where, where? Time, time, time You do, you really do.
0: I went up to Manchester on that. So it's yep. horrid.
1: <clears throat> so compare that with going on, going on the, uh, on the Norwich. To, oh,
0: I, I mean, Norwich I, to,
1: I, to Chroma service. So.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 jump on the train to Cambridge mm. as, as a preference every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where, where Mr. Lynch allows, allows it, and that's, that's been my problem. But I've not followed up with, the, with the train thing because I'm waiting. I'm not marching a lot of very important people up a hill only to march them back down yeah. because we can't get on the train. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. When I spoke to the mayor of Cambridgeshire Peterborough, Dr Johnson yesterday, he sort of, unprompted by me, said, I want to tell everybody in Norfolk and Suffolk that I'm on Ely. I'm on Ely, I understand its importance, and you'll understand its importance, and I'm not going to ask you to, to make the case for Ely because all our listeners will know what the case for Ely is, and, and I know that this will be, again, something that both Norfolk and Suffolk uh, will be on uh, in, in, in the future. Yep. Um, what I <laughs> want to say is once we've unlocked that, I was really excited that, okay, we got to an hour by an act of sort of will and yes. guts and push, push, push. Couldn't we do half hour? Can we do a half hourly service? And now we've got this Cambridge South that unlocks our access by train yep. to the biomedical campus. Yep. What wonders can we achieve with a half hourly service?
1: Well, it would be transformational. And, and, and as um, the... Railway people will tell you, I'm sure Jonathan will tell you, there is, uh, there is something really psychological about a, a half-hourly service because people know that they can turn up and they haven't got that long to wait. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas an hour still feels a bit of an impediment. So it is, a, it is a transformational, transformational change. Look, I am the biggest fan you will find of uh, of Ely and Hawley those those particular programmes, and so pleased that Midlands Connect. Um, and uh, and Transport East have really taken on the uh, on the uh, uh, the arguing, the lobbying, and so on for those. We've been we've been in the trenches uh, on those projects for well almost a decade, I should think, um, and um, you know, participated, chaired various uh, working groups in Ely and so on over the years, and so uh, it's reassuring. That dr johnson supports it i knew he did yes. Cambridge mature 100 percent behind it so so it's one thing we have really had common common cause around um and you know it's so frustrating that those projects have not been approved so frustrating when you think yes there are a lot of money but they're a rounding compared with the cost of hs2
0: Yeah, and you have to look at what unlocks from that and all the the fantastic things that can happen with a half-hourly service that makes, you know, people going both ways um, on the the train. Uh, Because I remember when I was doing... But it's not really just
1: Cambridge, is it?
0: You think about it, East-West Rail. Stanford Airport as well.
1: Well, Stanford now has a direct service from Norwich, but... um, but yeah, Norwich to through to, uh, through to Ox, uh, through through to Oxford and so on. So th- that's really the um, uh, that that's the kind of uh, the aim and the aspiration. Yeah. Um, but but I agree, half hourly service, transformational, makes such a difference uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the, 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 the tech corridor. I, I I agree.
0: Now I'm not asking you to, mm. to. Obviously, you've you've got priorities of plenty. I know. Yep. But. Where did we? Where would we start? Where would Chris Starkey start in making that case? Is it a case we all have to sit down with a cold towel on our head and work out the you know the, the compromise, or do we just just blaze in and say this is a great idea because it you know it seems like a great idea? And do we start building that coalition of the willing? Or where fun. where would you start? The half hourly service, yeah.
1: Well, fundamentally, we have to get the have to get Ely upgraded, uh, and it's and it's a kind of as simple. As that, we have we, yeah. we have we have built the economic case. I think you're aware that it's stuck between the Department for Transport and the Treasury. Department for Transport likes it. The Treasury says it's too expensive. Um, so, so, so I think that, that that's the first thing. And the second thing is, we then have to work out what paths and what slots are available on that uh, by by opening up Ely. One of the things I've learned is that even Ely, upgraded, does not deliver everything that we all want on particular times and so on, because there are freight paths, There are. do you want to improve the, I'm sounding really like a timetable engineer here, but do you want to improve Ipswich to Peterborough, for example, no. should, that, should that increase and so on. So uh, do you want King's Lynn to London to be half hourly? All of those have to go through that. So I think, um, so for me, it's trying to work out uh, what are what are the priorities in that, and um, and if there's space, and if there's, uh, then 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 Norwich Cambridge can can slot in because mm. i think you know you we have to think about the whole you the do whole you have picture. to see the whole
0: board and yeah. it's, easy, it's easy otherwise to mike get otherwise like,
1: well well that's not getting carried away and it's right to get carried away but but i think otherwise you end up lobbying against each other in exactly. the region. so what is the master plan for unlocking the maximum potential from yeah. from the from those different corridors
0: right. you mentioned transport east mm-hmm. and we've got creative east and i know i've seen um yep. friend of the show robin milton a fair of fairer games out there who's is one of the current cohorts yep. on the Great Growth uh, Scheme being run by Creative East. We, we, we had Angular, New Anglia Lep and its sector yes. groups. Yes. So one organisation doing a lot. Are we now going to be seeing more sector groups? So basically... One one topic sector groups Mm. cross border, like Transport East, like Creative East. Are we going to be, I mean, we've got Tech East already, Uh, and Tim Robbins will be cross if I don't mention that. Mm. Um, Are we going to see more like that, or or, or is that still to be decided? So, our uh, approach is
1: that we will support sector groups on the geography that they want to work. So, so from a Norfolk, moving forward from a Norfolk perspective, um, there's huge benefit in collaborating with colleagues in Suffolk. And I think Tech East uh, and Eastern Promise has shown that actually there's benefit in collaborating even further afield with colleagues in Essex and colleagues with, uh, with Cambridge. The, the bigger you make the map, the more complicated it becomes, the more moving parts, but certainly our sector groups, um, it's certainly my personal intention and hope, uh, that they will continue. So, so we're at the moment asking our, New Anglia, so the New Anglia sponsored sector groups, because we have a, we have a sort of federated relationship with them. So, uh, so Tech East uh, runs our industry council for ICT Digital, uh, we have an Agri, agri uh, Food uh, um, Industry Council, we have an Energy Industry Council now, oh, and there's a name as well, there, uh, Indeed. To, to, give, to give four examples. So we're asking each of those and the business folk who give their time, because I think one of the critical things is the amount of volunteer time by businesses, because they see that's the right thing to do. Do you wish to continue? Do you wish to continue? The cultural board, Norfolk and Suffolk cultural board, um, which um, and so on. Do you wish to continue? If you wish to continue, we'll support you as Norfolk and as Suffolk, but as the two councils working together. Mm. And that is, that is what we said we'd do, because what we do not want is uh, is a diminution of, of this collaboration, because collaboration is, is is key and critical between the private sector and the public sector. That's how we get our economy really moaching and moving. So, so as far as I'm concerned, sector groups are really important to what I want to do in Norfolk. Um, what colleagues want to do in Suffolk and therefore sector groups, um, certainly I, I, I would like to see them continue.
0: Well, Chris Starkey, thank you ever so much for your time. It has been a pleasure to interview you. I can <laughs> carry on for ages, but we've, you've got, you're a busy man and you've got a very important job to do now and a very, a very important job in the future. New Anglia, I think it's fair to say, has been incredibly consequential for our region. It has done so many good things and supported so many businesses, large and small. It's done big capital projects. It's, it's Through its funds, it's supported so many small businesses. Thank you for everything you've done. On I'm slightly um, taking liberties, but on behalf of the, the public and private sector, thank you for everything you've done as part of your angle up, and best, we wish you all the best for the future. My thanks to Chris for that hugely insightful interview. Listeners to the Omnibus edition will have heard an abridged version of my chat with Chris Starkey whereas you can find the full, unabridged version covering much, much more on your podcast feed or via the Eastern Promise website, easternpromise.org.uk And now... It's Norfolk Day, a day that has caught the county's imagination and seen shops and public spaces bedecked with more yellow and black than the busiest, buzziest beehive. But what are your hopes, dreams and messages for one of our region's Keystone counties? Let's find out in this special edition of... Crowd Sorcery
2: Well, this is David Powles and I would like to wish the entire county of Norfolk a wonderful Norfolk Day.
0: David Powell's there, former editor of the Eastern Daily Press, current chief executive of the Norfolk Community Law Foundation and founder of the Feast of Norfolk Day. And we shall hear more from David momentarily. However, Michelle Chambers... Business Development Manager at Chaplin Farrant says, what a great place Norfolk is. Uniquely placed on the coast with beautiful unspoiled beaches. The broads for boating and wildlife, perfect for cycling and walking, as it's flat, steeped in history and heritage. A global leader in offshore wind, more scientists than any other city, brackets Norwich, in Europe, and a region with a real sense of business community and friendliness. Keep nurturing what we've got. We wanted to know more, so, with a gentle prod from yours truly, Michelle continued. I tend not to be controversial on social media, she says, but here you go. Improve coastline defences. More walkways through farmland. Cleaner rivers. Improve infrastructure in and to Norfolk. Keep up with Cambridge growth to allow an effective Cambridge-Norwich tech corridor, sustainably leading the way. Improve on skills and shortages in Norfolk and for Norwich to be in the Premier League. And who can argue with any of that? Certainly not Saul Humphrey. Managing partner of Saul Humphrey LLP, brackets, Certified B Corporation, professor at New Anglia Ruskin University, chair of Institute of Directors Norfolk, chair of New Anglia LEP's Building Growth Group and a non-exec director to boot says Saul. I echo Michelle Chambers' sentiment 100%. Add some serious investment in renewable energy, active travel, ultra-sustainable homes, and embed a deeper understanding of the planetary boundaries so that we focus less on consumption and growth, and more on thriving inclusion and enhancing prospects for the next generation, always improving the natural environment all around us. Agreed, Saul. Let's hope Norfolk Day 2024 is a greener Norfolk Day all around. Well, we've already heard a little from David Powells, progenitor of Norfolk Day. So to end, let's hear a whole lot more, recorded by the man himself and sent to our wonderful WhatsApp group. Here are some reflective Norfolk Day musings from David Powells.
2: Hello, Mike, and hello to the listeners of the Eastern Promise podcast. It's David Powles here, who you so generously described as the founder of the Feast of Norfolk Day. So you asked, what does Norfolk Day mean to us? What does Norfolk mean to us and what would you like it to all be about? Well, um, I'm stood here in uh, one of my favorite places of Norfolk. You can hopefully hear the sea lapping in the background, the sound of the gulls. Um, I'm on the beach at Hemsby. So Norfolk, well what a wonderful place it is and um, for me Norfolk Day is all about celebrating all that is so fantastic about this great county. The people, the places, the broads, the coasts, our fine city of Norwich, the towns, the communities, so many things. The list is is endless and I think that when we um, started Norfolk Day all those years ago really it was about people celebrating this fine county and to everything that makes us so lucky to be here. However, I think that there's got to be a but as well, Mike, because for me, um, I think that Norfolk Day should also be a chance to think about the challenges that we face in this county and how we might all try and do our bit to just make Norfolk a fairer place for people to live Um, a place where we maybe don't have as many of the haves and the have nots um, as we sadly do. Um, you know we know that there are some sad facts around poverty we know that there are some um, really sort of sad things that happen in this county i don't want to bring the mood down but i think that also norfolk day should be about thinking about how you can play your part to make norfolk a better place whether that's through campaigning whether that's through supporting a cause or a charity or or simply through just awareness and just making a difference in someone's lives because again going back to norfolk and norfolk day it's all about the people it's all about this wonderful county and this wonderful community i hope everyone has a fantastic norfolk day Um, i haven't worked out what i should be doing um, yet to market but i will certainly be raising a toast to norfolk and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to leave you this message take care and happy norfolk day everyone
0: Thank you, David, not just for that characteristically thoughtful Norfolk Day message, but for leading the creation of a day celebrating the county in the first place. For balance, Suffolk Day next year will be in June, and I promise, I promise, to give it just as much love in 2024. And that's it for episode 71 of Eastern Promise. Thank you to Chris Starkey, to David Powells and to Engineer 49, a Norfolk resident of many decades standing, who has been using his special yellow, black and white headphones and microphone covers today, which is perhaps why he's covered in bees. And to you. You could be doing anything right now and you're choosing to spend your time with me. I am truly very grateful. And please do visit our website at easternpromise.org.uk where you can listen to previous episodes and send me a message. I'll be back soon. So until then, bye for now. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk Eastern Promise is a Prior's Croft production on behalf of the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.